Hey, this is Pastor Holly of Open Door Sanctuary, and welcome to our podcast. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will transform your life through today's message. Be sure to subscribe so that you can get these messages every week, and I pray that you are blessed today. Amen, 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 amen. Good morning, my brothers and my sisters. In our world today, we see hopelessness in our streets. We see weeping in the hospitals and death in our homes. We even see death right here in the church. We have people right here in the church who are so broken. Broken spiritually, broken emotionally, who are waiting for a stirring of the waters, who are waiting for instant blessings, who are waiting for instant healings and instant transformations right here in the church. We see people who are not doing anything for God And they certainly are not doing anything for God's people. Right here in the church, we see people who are lying down idle, watching, judging, criticizing. We see people who think they know how it should be done, but who are not doing anything. And as a result, It's these people who are turning people away from not only the church, but are also turning people away from God. We have people who come to church who are physically broken, who are 
emotionally broken, who are spiritually broken. And, 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 and these people are, are seeking a healing. People broken from bad relationships, abusive relationships, Broken people, broken from being used and abused. Being used at work. Being abused at home. And being used and abused right here in the church. People just broken. Waiting for a little help. Waiting for someone to help them get into the stirring waters of God's healing. Others come, get into God's living waters, get their wholeness, and move on. All while the rest of us are just lying on our mats of brokenness. Lying on our mats of illness. Lying on our mats of depression. Lying on our mats of control. Lying on our mats of grief. Lying on our mats of abuse. Lying on our mats of addiction. Lying on our mats of anger. Lying on our mats of judgment. Lying on our mats of fear. Lying on our mats of pain. Lying on our mats of loneliness. Lying on our mats of insecurities. Lying on our mats of stress. Lying on our mats of cancer, migraines, arthritis, hypertension, high cholesterol, and other physical ailments. We are only, beloved, three weeks into the new year, and yet, and yet, some of us not all of us, some of us find ourselves in the same condition we have been in for quite some time. Broken. 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 Some of us broken people have been broken for a very long time. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, some even 40 years. Broken. Waiting, believing, longing, waiting lonely and looking for a revival in our lives. 
broken. Waiting for a revival in our lives. This morning, my brothers and my sisters, I, I want to share a story with you. I want to share a story of waiting, a story of questioning, a story of loneliness, and finally, a story of revival. Someone here this morning needs a revival. Needs to be made whole. And that someone might just be you. That someone might just be you. So, I'm going to ask this morning that, that, that we not put up our spiritual umbrellas, that we not put up our spiritual umbrellas so that the word that we received this morning would run off onto your neighbor. And then I'm going to ask you, my brothers and sisters, A question. Then I'm going to sit down and let God do what God is going to do. If you will, journey with me this morning in your life's owner's manual, your basic instruction before leaving the earth, the Holy Bible, Turn with me to the Gospel of John. John, the fifth chapter. And let's look at verses 2 through 9. Again, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning with verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty-eight years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and, and, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we'd ask that you clear all of our hearts, clear all of our minds, and clear all of our souls, that we would receive the word that you would have for us this morning. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. May my soul look up with steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Amen. 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 You may be seated. This morning, my brothers and sisters, we want to specifically look closely at verses 5 through 9. Where, 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 where we may just see our own reflection. And they read, And a certain man was there, who had an infirmity 38 years, a condition, a sickness, which caused him to be an invalid. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had, had, had been now a long time in that case, in that condition, he saith unto him, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes before me, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Jesus said, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. The Bible tells us that, that this morning that, that Jesus was in Jerusalem for a feast, a festival, and in Jerusalem, there was a pool which was called Bethesda. And what is ironic, my brothers and sisters, about... What is ironic is that the name Bethesda or Bethsaida literally means house of mercy. 
house of mercy. Think of Jerusalem as a place of peace. And there are some people here who have no peace. Verse 1 tells us that there was a feast for all to rejoice. But beyond the atmosphere of celebration can be heard groans of pain. Beyond the atmosphere of celebration, there are people pushing others in a horrific stampede, even killing in this tragic competition of who is going to be first. Who is going to be healed? People came to this place, this pool called Bethesda, to be healed. And instead of getting healed, some of these people were being pushed away. Imagine that tense atmosphere, the waiting, the waiting with one eye on the water, waiting for it to be stirred, and the other eye on your neighbor. Each neighbor is your competition, just waiting, just waiting to steal your healing. Days, weeks, months, years of endless waiting. Maybe today, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe, maybe, maybe. Just maybe I'll be made whole. Maybe, just maybe I'll be able to pick up my bed and walk. Maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to get off these drugs. Maybe, just maybe, I can get out of this bottle. Maybe, just maybe, I can throw away these cigarettes. The people called this place, this pool, the house of mercy. Not the temple, which should have been the house of mercy. You see, the temple had become a business place. The temple had become a place of deception. The temple was not the house of mercy because the temple had become a den of thieves where the priests and the Levites and the Levites would tell the people that their animal sacrifices were blemished. Something was wrong with them. They were too skinny or, or their animal sacrifices were crippled and, and they would have to go buy a, a better offering from this vendor or from that vendor who would only jack up the prices and rip the people off. No. This temple was not a place of mercy. This temple wasn't a place of healing. 
a place of wholeness, a place of love, it had become, the word tells us, a den of thieves. A den of thieves. So God, so God stirred the waters at the pool. So that the people would finally be made whole. Hmm. Sounds like some of our churches today, doesn't it? Powerless. No mercy. No healing. No wholeness. No love, a den of judgment, cheating, thievery, fornication, extortion, bribery, backstabbing, gossiping, character assassinations. The temple in our text had its own currency. And if you wanted to pay your tithes and offerings, You needed to exchange your money at some outrageous exchange rate. This was the main reason why the sick and disabled people walked away from religion and chose to believe instead in Bethesda's muddy waters to be healed. But even there, even there, things were not for free. If you know the Beatitudes, if you're familiar with the Beatitudes, which are found in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, imagine these new Beatitudes. Blessed are those who know how to elbow their way through this thing called life, for they will live well. Blessed are those who are strong because their heart will never hurt. Blessed are those who can create problems for they will be respected by those around them. You see, the priests and the Levites said that the solution was money. But the ordinary people, the sick people, believed that the solution was a miracle. How many of us this morning believe that the solution to our problems is a miracle? You see, the solution wasn't, in fact, a miracle. The solution to the problem that, just like it is today, isn't that of a person. And that person is Jesus. Moving on in our story this morning, 
The Bible tells us that, that, that there was a certain man which, which, which was infirmed or impotent, powerless, for 38 years. Verse 5 says, for 38 long years, this man laid on his pallet, his bed beside the pool of Bethesda, laid on his bed beside the house of mercy, waiting for 38 years, he saw his reflection in the water. He's been waiting for 38 years. He was so close. He had been so close for 38 years. He was right at the edge of his breakthrough. He was so close to his miracle that he could taste it. He was so close to his breakthrough that he could smell it. He could see it. How many of us this morning, when we really stop and think about our situation, when we really stop and think about our condition, how many of us can just taste the breakthrough? How many of us can smell the breakthrough but can't or won't do anything about it. We just lie there, waiting, 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 waiting in our condition. Is there anybody here waiting this morning, waiting for a miracle? Is anybody here this morning just waiting for their breakthrough? Those 38 years must have seemed like an eternity to this man. How long is 38 years? How long is 38 years to go unloved? How long is 38 years to be suffering from a broken heart? How long is 38 years to be suffering in grief? How long is 38 years to feel powerless? How long is 38 years to be in fear? How long is 38 years to be angry with someone? How long is 38 years? To have a dream go unlived. How long is 38 years to raise a child only to be told to, ha ha, ha ha How long is 38 years to raise a child only to be told, ha ha, to kiss where the sun doesn't shine? How long is 38 years to be in a loveless relationship? How long is 38 years to swoon after that man or to swoon after that woman who is not going to marry you? How long is 38 years? Long enough that most of us would have gotten used to being, listen to this, in our condition. Long enough that most of us would have ended up forgetting that we were in a condition that we end up normalizing. How long is 38 years? 
How long is 38 years? Long enough that most of us would have stopped believing that our time had come. Long enough that most of us would have given up believing, but not this man. Not this man. He laid there because other people believed the water had healing power when stirred. Just like some people come to church. They come to this place of healing. They come to this house of mercy. Just like some of us come to church, a place of peace. We come broken. We come hurt. We come abused. We come neglected. We come wounded. We come left out and forgotten about. We come powerless, lying on our bed, lying on our bed in our condition. Maybe, excuse me, many sick people, many impotent, powerless people, are sitting in our pews, blind, lame, paralyzed, powerless. Anybody there this morning? Anybody blind and not seeing the hand of God in your life? Anybody deaf and, and not hearing the voice of Jesus? Anybody lame or paralyzed, unable to do something for God or for his church? How many of us want to stop repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again? How many of us How many of us want to stop going through the same cycles in our relationships? How many of us feel it's safer to blame the other person for our condition instead of dealing with our issues? How many of us want to let go of those control issues we harbor? How many of us want to get out of that constant state of anger we find ourselves in? How much longer are we going to hold on to our conditions? Another year? Another two years? Another decade? Another 20 years? Another 38 years, Jesus asked this man the same thing. Look at verses 6 and 7. When Jesus saw him lying there, yes, Jesus sees you lying there as well. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, 
Do you want to get well? The King James Version says it like this, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent, powerless, answered him, Sir, I have no man, I have no one. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. As I read this <laughs> over and over, I actually kind of chuckled, thinking, <laughs> this poor fella, this poor dude. <laughs> I said to myself, Kenny, that's not funny. But I thought, now isn't that just like us? Here God is asking him if he wants to be made whole. And what is he doing? He's making excuses. It's a simple yes or no question. But instead of giving God, instead of giving Jesus a yes or no answer, what does he say? He says, I'm lowly. He says, I'm alone. He says, I have no help. He says, I tried to get into the pool, but I can't. He says, no one will help me. He says, everyone runs by me when the water is stirred. But Jesus, but Jesus already knew these things. Those were not his questions. His question was, do you want to be made whole? His question was, do you want to be made whole? Just like Jesus knew this man's circumstances before he even asked the man if he wanted to be made whole, Jesus already knows your circumstances, yet he still wants to know, wilt thou be made whole? He wants to know, are you willing this morning to be made whole? He wants to know, he's asking you this morning, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you're still in your anger. Yet he wants to know, will thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you're still in your fear. Yet all he wants to know is, will thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you're still in your physical pain, in your arthritis, in your high blood pressure, in your diabetes, in your bad back, in your bad knees, in your broken bones. Yes! Yes! All he wants to know 
is wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you married the wrong man. You married the wrong woman. Yet he still wants to know, wilt thou be made whole? Jesus already knows how lonely you are. He knows how badly you want to mate. He knows how badly you want a spouse. Yet he wants to know, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you're really making ends meet. He already knows you're trying to pay those bills, that mortgage or that rent, that cable, that electricity, that cell phone bill, those student loans, trying to pay haha, for that medication. Trying, 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 yet Jesus still wants to know, will thou be made whole? Jesus already knows. The pain that you're still in after that breakup of that relationship. After the passing of your husband, after the passing of your wife, yet he still wants to know, wilt thou be made whole? Jesus already knows the pain you're still in after that baby daddy walked out on you. Yet he still wants to know, wilt thou be made whole? Jesus already knows the pain and confusion returning to a society that refuses to welcome you back and has changed during your incarceration. Yet Jesus wants to know this morning from you, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be whole, made well? Jesus already knows the pain you're in after your children don't want to have anything to do with you. Yet he still wants to know, my brothers and my sisters, do you want to be made whole? Listen, beloved. Jesus is not interested in the reason for your condition. I don't think you heard me. Jesus is not interested in the reason for your condition. He simply offers to make us whole. He simply offers to make us well. There are so, so many things that we hold on to that, that, that we allow to stop us from receiving what God through Jesus has and wants for us. Let's look at what happens. Verse 8 tells us that even though this man who had been in his condition for 38 years made excuses, Jesus still makes him whole. Verse 8 and 9 tells us that Jesus saith unto him, Rise up! Take up thy bed and walk! And immediately the man was made Whole. The critical thing for us to remember this morning is that in this instance, this directive was made to someone who had not done much of anything for anyone, including himself, for many years. 
Now, 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 in a manner of one encounter with Jesus, he's being asked to get up from a place. Ha ha. Now, in one, in one encounter with Jesus, this powerless man, this invalid, this helpless man, is being asked to get up from a place where he was obviously somewhat comfortable. Not only did the man get up, not only did the man take up his bed, but he got up out of his condition. He took up his bed and he walked. He was made whole. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. My brothers and my sisters, how many times has this been said to us in our spirit and we just ignored it due to our own pity party? How many of us are still at the pool waiting to be healed? But look what Jesus told his man. Jesus told this man, get up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Jesus told him, get up out of that condition. Jesus told him, get up out of that worry. Jesus told him, get up out of that fear. Jesus told him to get up out of that insecurity. Jesus told him to get up out of that jealousy. Jesus told him to get up out of that poverty thinking. Jesus told him to get up out of that addiction. Jesus told him to get up out of that I can't do it mindset. Jesus told him to get up out of that I hope this is worth it thinking. Jesus told him get up out of that state of being Jesus told him get up out of that state get up out of that state of mind get up get up get up just like this man was paralyzed just like this man was powerless some of us right here in this church, some of us listening to me this morning have been paralyzed by our situations. Some of us right here have been paralyzed by our circumstances. We have forgotten what it was like when we first came to Christ. We have forgotten the joy to be in Christ. We have forgotten when we were excited and on fire for the Lord. We have forgotten what it's like to get to church early. We have forgotten what it's like to get excited when the hymn is announced. We have forgotten what it's like when we could hardly wait to give our tithes and offerings. We have forgotten what it's like when we were overcome with joy at the preaching of salvation. We have forgotten what it is like to have joy. We have forgotten what it's like to have peace. We have forgotten what it's like to have happiness. But church Jesus has a message for you today. Jesus has a message for today. He wants someone this morning to get up. He wants someone this morning to take up that bed of anger and walk. Let it go. 
It's not only your time, but it's your turn. And he wants to bless you in your comings, and he wants to bless you in your goings. Jesus wants someone here this morning to get up, take up your bed of fear, walk and let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to bless all that you put your hand to. So start that business. Write that book. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up Take up their bed of pain and walk and let it go because it's not only your time, it's your turn. Aha, he wants to be your doctor and your healer. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up, take up your bed of addiction and walk, let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to be your counselor and your shepherd. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up, take up your bed of needing to be in control. Walk, let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. Waha, thank you, Jesus. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to be your peace that passeth all understanding. Jesus wants someone here this morning to get up and take up your bed of insecurity. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to make you self-sufficient, needing and wanting for nothing. Ha ha ha. Needing and wanting for nothing. So register to take that GED. Register for that undergraduate program. Register for that graduate program. Apply for that job. Start that business. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed of stress and walk. Let it go. Not only is it your time, but it's your turn. He wants to keep you from falling so that he can present you faultless. Jesus wants someone here this morning to get up, take up your bed of loneliness, walk, let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He will never forsake you, nor will he leave you. So don't worry about that baby daddy that doesn't want to be there to support you. God's got you. God's got your back. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed of cancer. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. For by his stripes, you're already healed. You see, Jesus wants somebody this morning to get up. Take up your bed of hypertension. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. You see, church, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has been with us through all of time. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the most high priest. In Numbers, he's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the great prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of salvation. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the kinsman's redeemer. In Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In Kings, he's the reigning king. In Ezra, he's revealed as the broken walls of human rights. In Job, he's the everlasting redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd and we shall not want. 
and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is all wisdom. And Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. And Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. And Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. And Ezekiel, he's the wonderful counselor. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And Hosea, he's the husband forever married to the backslider. And Joel, he's the Holy Ghost Empire. And Obadiah, he's the hallelujah. And Obadiah, he was that many was saved. And Micah, he is a messenger of beautiful faith. And Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. And Zephaniah, he is our savior. And Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost children. Hallelujah. And Malachi, he's a son of righteousness. And Matthew, he's the great Messiah. And Mark, he's the wonderful works. And Luke, he's the great physician and master fisherman. And John, he's the son of man. And Acts, he's the Holy Ghost, our comforter and God. And Romans, he's the great justifier. And First Corinthians, he's the almighty sanctifier. And Second Corinthians, he's the great leader. And Galatians, he's the redeemer of personal law. And Ephesians, he's the Christ son of the living God. And Colossians, he is the fullness of God, the Godhead. And First Thessalonians, and Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. And Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. And Titus, he's a faithful pastor. And Philemon, he is a friend that sits closer than a brother. And Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. And James, he is a doctor when you need him. And Peter, he is the chief shepherd. Uh, first, second, and third, John, he is love. And Jude, he is God that keeps us from stumbling. And Revelation, he's king of kings and lords of lords. Jesus said, get out! Get up! Get up! Take up your bed and walk. Jesus said, Get up! Get up! Get up! Take up your bed and walk. Jesus said, Get up! Get up! Take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah! Take up your bed and walk. It's not only your time. It's not only your time. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and I pray that you enjoyed this podcast. A special thanks goes out to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. Also, Thank you to those of you who are a part of Open Door Sanctuary, whether you support us financially, serve with us, or you just share these messages. It's because of all of you that we are able to reach people around the world. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and family. Again, we thank you for listening. Now go out and live victoriously.